0: Welcome to the Time Shifters Podcast. I'm your host, Christopher. This podcast takes a fun look at the films of long past, recent past, and the almost present, as well as the events and news surrounding them. I would love to hear from you, and there are several ways to get in touch with the show. Look for the Time Shifters Podcast group on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at TimeShiftersPod, or you can send us a typed or recorded message to TimeShiftersPodcast at gmail.com. If you haven't already, you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and please check us and our fellow podcasters out over on PodChaser.com. Please rate and review the show at any of these outlets. All these links can be found on TimeshiftersPodcast.com. Now let's head to the Timeshifter Studio and start the show. Everyone, and welcome back to Time Shifters and Happy New Year. Here we are in 2021. It already feels better. Isn't it awesome, Tom? Have they started paving the roads gold at your house yet? Oh, you know it. I mean,
1: it's just <laughs> amber waves grain everywhere. It's the feeling of joy as the alien hordes descend upon us. <laughs> but Happy New Year, folks.
0: Yeah, thank you for joining us in this new year. We hope it's going to be another fun year. Um, Tom, guess what I've been doing? What have you been doing? I've been reading. No, I didn't know you knew how. I do. I I do know how, and I have been reading. Uh, I've actually been reading So Say We All, The Complete, Uncensored, Unauthorized, Oral History of Battlestar Galactica.
1: Yes, I think I believe uh, I saw that you'd mentioned that at one point. Yes. How goes that?
0: It goes really well. That is a fascinating book. It is a heavy tome. I mean, it is a thick book. Oh yeah. But I have been burning through it very quickly because it is so damn interesting.
1: What years does this cover? Is it the just the original series or all things Battlestar Galactica?
0: Everything Battlestar. Wow. It starts out with the the original series talking about the, you know, the pre-production and everything, going into the actual filming. Uh, going to the cancellation, going in the Galacta 1980, uh, going in then to the um, the reboot and the pre-production on that, the production of all that. Uh, I'm, I've reached the point, I'm kind of in the last oh, quarter of the book or so, and now we're just kind of like in the writer's room. Okay. Talking about all, all the different, uh, the writers that worked on it and their ideas and what it was like to work for, uh, for Ronald Moore and and his ideas and it it's been really interesting. I tell you what, I give both showrun showrunners and bo- all the creators on both all three series honestly a lot more credit after reading this book. Yeah, because all the stuff and the hoops that they had to jump through and at so many step uh, places is just it's incredible. Especially when you get up to the reboot and sci-fi and getting that mini-series off the ground and then going to series and, you know, sci-fi trying to, uh, it needs to be fun. And they're like, no. <laughs> it was so funny. They said they did the mini-series. Yeah. Sci-fi really wasn't, they were sure, they, they were thinking they had a big old loss on their hands. They thought really? it was going to be a bomb. Yeah. And then the mini-series actually ended up doing really well. I mean, the first night the numbers were okay. And I thought, oh, That's not good, you know, but then the next night they were better and like that never happens. And so everyone was like really excited, like, okay, you can do a series. But sci-fi is like, let's see if we can get a a less expensive cast. And Ronald Moore and everyone's like, these people are already like off the stages, you know, in Vancouver. They don't, how cheap can you get?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, this was kind of a launch for a lot of people's careers. Exactly.
0: That point alone is when Ronald Moore and the rest of the, the people behind the show, just they put their foot down and go, no, this is the cast. You want to do the series, this is who you do it with.
1: We're a little too far along and a little, at this point, your audiences are too mature to go, okay, I'm supposed to now take your mini series and plug this new face into that name that they already set a nice tone with the miniseries. I mean, I fell in love with it from get go. So
0: I, um, yeah, the miniseries I thought was really good. The series I, I cooled on. I I think I, I started out, I enjoyed it in the beginning and I, I kind of cooled on it by the end, but I still now after, especially after reading this book, just have just so much more, um, respect for everything and all the work that went into it for sure. And, uh, certainly appreciate everything, even going back to the original series and even to galactic in 1980. I mean, even the people that ran 1980 knew that this was a turd. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't like it. It was just, this is what we have to do. Um,
1: It's terrible when you don't like your own product. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, the whole thing is really great because it's just a collection of interviews with all these different – Stu Phillips who did the music. uh, um, I think it's David Larson, Glenn Larson's son. Okay. um, You know, speaks a lot about his dad and, you know, because he's got access to all his notes and and all that stuff and – um, uh, interviews with Richard Hatch and Dirk Benedict and then, you know, going to the new stuff, you got interviews with, you know, Katie Sackhoff and again, Richard Hatch and, yeah. <laughs> and uh, everyone that, so with all the, all the actors, all the writers, all the showrunners, the composers, it's just the snippets of interviews, you know, that's been compiled over years. And yeah, it's just, so it's like right from the horse's mouth wow. as far as their, their thoughts on all this stuff. And it's, yeah, it's, been really interesting. I highly recommend it. If you're at all a fan of Galactica, um, absolutely recommend it.
1: Damn it! Now I'm gonna have to read.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry,
1: I yeah, know it's tough, I, but I, I actually, Galactica is always one of those ones that sits, especially the early stuff. I I liked it, but it was always so hit or miss. Anyway, it was kind of like eh, you know I catch it if it's around, but I didn't Jones for it. And then when the the new miniseries and series started, uh, I was hooked from beginning to end. I absolutely adored that series. I, I adored the the time and effort that they put into like the effects, the fact that they actually stuck to a little bit of science <laughs> in mm-hmm. trying to get things done. Ships moved in space a little more accurately.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, you can thank uh, Ronald Moore for that one. And thank you, Ronald, Moore.
1: um, but no, the acting was just off the charts. Amazing. Uh, everyone was fully committed and I, I really enjoyed the storylines. I love the evolution of, uh, the Cylons and I actually was one of those ones. I didn't mind where the series went and how it ended the whole th- idea that we're just at a constant loop mm. that, that what we do begets what we do again. History repeats itself quite literally. Right. I I actually kind of really like that.
0: I think it's Ronald Moore, and this is definitely a book that really highlights Ronald Moore and how he, how he works. I mean, he's coming out of working with uh, uh, Star Trek, you know, Next Gen, Voyager, Deep Space Nine. Yeah. And this was his really kind of like, I can't do that anymore. You know, I don't want to do this um he tried really hard while he was working on those series to try to get them to evolve. Mm-hmm. Uh he was really tired of the reset button. You know, the the end of the episode, like on Voyager, if the ship if the ship is banged up, why can't it be banged up in the next episode? And right. the studio's like, No, you can't do that. And he really hated the the reset button that Star Trek had in in it. And so when he got a chance to do Galactica, it was like, yeah, whatever happens in this episode, there's repercussions on this episode, you know, trying to get it. That's one of the things that, you know, Trek was kind of getting into the serialized story, Mm -hmm. but still keeping it kind of bottled episodes as well. Yeah. That was more important that you could, you could step in. You didn't need to know what happened last week in order to watch this week's. Right. and, Ron Moore is like, no, this is going to be serialized. And this is another thing that sci-fi was really hesitant about, about doing something that was so serialized that they couldn't just sell syndicate it, and let people show whatever they wanted to show and that sort of thing. It all comes down to a kind of a money issue and things like that.
1: It, it's kind of interesting that that's not what they wanted. But you could say that's about the time frame that and every other TV series that would come into creation from then on out. Uh, anything that Netflix, Prime, mm-hmm. and all of the other sources would do, it's all serialized. You have to follow the whole thing. It, yep. In fact, without even intending to, Battlestar Galactica, the newer version, was almost built to be binge-watched.
0: Mm-hmm. before
1: mm-hmm. that was actually fully a thing to do
0: right but there was a lot of talk with um the writers who he brought in and you know th- there were some writers that came and went and a lot of it wasn't because they were bad writers necessarily but as ronald Mooreport put it you didn't surprise me he he just kind of let the writers he just surprised me write stuff it was a real collaborative effort between himself and the writers. And the writers would sit and come up with stuff and if he liked it, like, yeah, let's go with that. And then they'll, they'll figure it out later kind of thing. Right. <laughs> you know? uh, the whole idea of like, okay, we're going to kill Starbuck. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> but they tried it really hard to keep it a secret. They were even keeping a secret from the cast. Edward James almost about blew a gasket he was like throwing scripts around. You're going to ruin the effing show. <laughs> they had to pull him aside and go, no, it's cool. It's okay.
1: <laughs> I can only imagine. But I, I do kind of like that sense of uh, life happens and that they were just kind of embracing that in the writer's room.
0: Yeah, and that's exactly what they wanted. They wanted this show to be grounded in real life, that this is this is stuff happens. You don't know how to deal with it right away, and you got to figure it out. And that—that's what they did, and I think it's it's, just—it's—it's fantastic, and the amount of um, compassion, or the amount of passion that the cast had, especially someone like Edward James. Almost, he was a true believer in this series. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Uh, and it (laughs) was—it's fun reading, you know, him having kind of. being on the side of Ronald Moore and everything, when they were going against the studio, the studio wanted to edit something. They, they, you can't do that, you know. You got to, you got to censor that. And Eddie almost is like, "F them! I don't want to change. I don't want to film that again. I was perfect." <laughs> you know? And he, he's the one that has to be talked into it, you know, to redo the scene. And I was like, "Oh, that's awesome!"
1: Yeah, no, that that's great. And what you were saying earlier, one of my favorite components of the show too is, is that sense of there is real consequence to the things that happen in the series. One of my, it was actually kind of heartbreaking for me toward the end of the series, that final season, um, some of the instances that they got into the Galactica. Um, I remember, uh, uh the guy that was kind of the chief engineer, um, mm-hmm. And, Tyrol I think the Tyrol, character. Yes. Uh he, Tyrol is inspecting parts of the ship after one of their last confrontations and essentially the superstructure of the of Galactica is coming apart mm-hmm. and, and he is like there's is, there is nothing to be done. We we are on a timetable here and and what, I remember the one episode where um, they jump into the the Cylon den essentially, and it you watch the ship buckle <laughs> because yep. it can't take this anymore. This is the last that this thing can do, and it becomes heart wrenching to watch it happen. And I love that yeah. the series let that be the case.
0: Yeah, no, it, it it's yeah. Like I said, I mean, I'll, I'll just keep repeating the same thing it's been really (laughs) fascinating and because of ronald moore's history and the history of the people that he brought in to to assist you get a lot of insight on the shows they worked on because a lot of cases they were like well this really worked when we when i did it on this show or this didn't work and we were so glad to get away from that and so you get a little insight about how things worked uh, things like going back into the star trek and everything Mm -hmm. and uh and inside of, of why those shows were changing the way they were and it was a lot of it because the showrunners and the writers were like you can't do this anymore it doesn't work you gotta can just just push a little bit you know can't someone die you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah. especially when it got to voyager it made a lot of sense when he was talking about voyager i was like it doesn't make sense they're 75 years away from earth they have no supplies like why is everything always still pristine and clean? <laughs> right. Yeah, no. They, they get their butts kicked, and the next episode, everything's fine. Like, can't there be a section of the ship they can't go into anymore? Or there's some power problems? And...
1: Yeah, yeah, lights flickering, char right. marks around everywhere.
0: <laughs> but it is, it is funny, though. Um, as much as Star Trek tried really hard to explain why everything worked, you know, with the especially with like a lot of the techno babble, mm-hmm. uh, that was another thing. He's like, "No, we're not doing that anymore." It just got to be so stupid. He's like, "That's, that's just a, a cheap shortcut." Because they were talking about um, in Battlestar Galactica about gravity, and they were thinking, "Well, maybe in the miniseries or in the early episodes, we have some you know one or two lines or something to explain something." And they were trying to figure it, and they were trying to work around it and think of things, and they finally, you know, what the hell with it. No one cares. <laughs> there's gravity. <laughs> so it was just never meant, don't even mention it. <laughs> don't bring it up, all good. That's what, that's what they did. That's actually a
1: fantastic point. I, I, it is one of those things, if you don't bring it up, I don't think anybody thinks anything of it. Not anymore. You just assume that there's somebody invented something that makes that work. So Exactly. I, the, the ship jumps. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it travels faster than light. I mean, come on. <laughs> of course, there's a way to stand on the deck plating.
0: <laughs> so yeah, so I, yeah, check it out. Thank you to Chris Quilling, host of uh, Forgotten TV. He's the one that recommended that. Uh, Forgotten TV podcast is fascinating because he goes into some really deep dives on pretty much any show you can imagine. Um, if he hasn't covered it yet, he's going to cover it. Wow. He just did one on Auto Man. It was just published the uh, this past week.
1: I saw you share that post. Uh, yeah, man, I'm gonna have to pick that one up. to yep. uh, Follow particularly for Auto Man.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, it it's a fun one, and it kind of what happens with um with this book reading about it. And I did do it. I got in the mood to go back and watch Battlestar Galactica. So I, I was reading the first half of the book or so, and it was all talking about the original series. And I'm like. I am I'm I'm, I'm going to watch the original series again. <laughs> you know, I had to mm-hmm. pull out the DVDs and, and and go and watch the uh the premiere like the the 3-hour premiere uh mini series. And then um then I got into the 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 reboot and I'm like, yeah, I I, I need to watch that mini series again. So, mm-hmm. I, so I dialed that up and started watching that. So, yeah, it just gets you really in the mood, especially when you know what all the stuff that's behind the scenes so as you're watching it play out on the screen you know what's going on inside everyone's head now and behind the scene and you you know there's like someone just off camera you know doing this or uh, it's it's a lot of fun
1: all right i guess i'm going to a bookstore or amazoning or something
0: (laughs) i think it is available uh, digitally if you want it that way or uh go to your local library which is what i did
1: Actually, it's kind of funny. Uh, I actually still, when it comes to reading, I prefer uh, a print in front of me. I have yet to cross that threshold into digital books. I
0: I I did. I had a um, Barnes and Noble's uh, Nook, mm-hmm. but it was yeah. It just made you really want a better tablet. <laughs> it it was probably fine if all you wanted to do was buy the book from the Barnes and Noble. Um, uh, but if you just wanted to borrow something to read, it was such a hassle to get anything to it. Right. Uh, from the library or whatever. Yeah. And that just kind of, it sa- it soured the grapes for me on it. Hmm. And it, it wasn't the quickest thing in the world, especially when you're trying to do that kind of stuff. And, you know, e- and even just buying the books aren't all that much cheaper than buying the paper <laughs> versions. Right. Uh, Digitally, so I couldn't afford to keep keep buying any book that uh, I didn't know if I was going to like or not. And do I want to keep this book? And I guess that was the way it it used to be. But if I have the option to not buy it and borrow it and read it, I want to do that. Right. And I I just never got around to getting anything that would work a little easier for that.
1: Yeah, but see, if I got to get something from the library, that means I actually have to read it.
0: (laughs) Yes. (laughs) <laughs> i need to actually get like an ipad because i think there's probably better apps for the idea of just borrowing books i think the libraries um the different library apps and stuff like that i think would probably handshake a little better than i they would with the like the first generation barnes and noble nook i i think they're just like if they still have them at all anymore i think they're like samsung tablets or something now
1: yeah i don't know uh how uh how uh, borrowing books on, like, a Kindle goes, but I, for actual reading, um, if you haven't checked it out, the Kindle looks pretty good. It, mm-hmm. It's closer to printed paper than an yeah. uh, iPad can mess with you after a while.
0: Mm. I wouldn't mind getting uh, an upgrade at some point and doing it digitally. I I didn't mind it, especially if something that has that, like, paper look, which the Nook had. Um, and I know the Kindle has that similar screen appearance.
1: You can use your government money whenever it gets here.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like that <laughs> hasn't already been spent, <laughs> but that's all I think I've been doing lately. That's been taking up a lot of my time instead of, uh, watching something that I've watched a million times already. Uh, I've been sitting down and reading. So
1: I have just been using the uh, Christmas break mostly to tear through all the stuff that, uh, I try to binge watch and then never get around to doing so. And I'm on more current, uh, stuff like, uh, I just finished. Well, they're only up to, uh, this week, I think episode seven of the second season of his dark materials is out, but I'm all caught up on that. Um, that is a, an excellent series. I highly recommend it. I don't know anything about the books. Uh, from which they come but the uh the story and the acting is just amazing in that series
0: excellent good we're still waiting to get into the expanse we haven't had a chance yet
1: i have to watch it i, I keep forgetting that it's out
0: <laughs> yeah yeah i keep seeing it every time i pull up amazon it's right there i'm like oh my wife wants to watch it with me why won't we why can't we watch this yet <laughs>
1: Well, you're about to have a few
0: days off. <laughs> yeah I think oh, that's a good point. We got a weekend coming a long week, another long weekend coming up. I think um yeah, try to try to get some of that in there.
1: yeah, I might have to burn through the expanse before it's time to go back to work.
0: did you see that there was a because uh, we talked about this off off uh mic not that long ago, but did you see they finally did air a new grand tour special?
1: I did. I watched it the other night,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. Madagascar,
1: Madagascar, yeah the the massive hunt
0: <laughs> wasn't too bad. It definitely had its moments. James May in a uh, <laughs> in that roadster, <laughs> yes,
1: quite. No, I, I I love the three of them together. And um, actually, it's even more fun sometimes to track what happens to them after they do these shows because there was a huge uprising. Uh, What's featured in this? in the episode is they're on a treasure hunt. Um, And in being in a treasure hunt, they went somewhere in Madagascar and dug a big hole in the middle of a field. Mm -hmm. And it happened to be the, that particular towns uh, uh, as they call it, the, the um, football pitch uh, where, where they play soccer. They just dug a hole. And then from the show's perspective, it just looks like they leave and abandon the whole thing because they've ruined the field. They're out of there. Well, that's, that's for the show. Right. <laughs> what actually happened is the show paid to fix the whole thing, and they dug it up because there was already a problem with that field anyway. The, the spot they dug was already sunken in, and it was becoming hard for the town to play soccer there, so they fixed it for them. Yeah. <laughs> but I love the controversies that come with them.
0: <laughs> I, I, I figured there are a lot of cases where they do things where it looks like they've completely ruined or damaged something. There's a larger story right. and a
1: happier ending. <laughs> I, I'm not saying they don't say many off-color things. Jeremy Clarkson is notorious. Uh, well, yeah. However, as a general rule, they tend to leave things better than they found them. <laughs>
0: Yes. Yeah, it was a, a fun series. We don't know when we're going to... It's amazing that we got this one. Right. It took so long because they filmed this right before the COVID lockdown mm. s- swept the world. And it took months before anyone could get into a studio to edit the thing. Right. So it's a miracle that this one got out. So there's no telling the future of Grand Tour or if there is going to be any more Grand Tour.
1: Right, no, and and it'd be kind of sad. It, it's been a struggle because I, I just love watching those guys together.
0: <laughs> Fortunately, there is what twenty years of Top Gear and uh, three or four years of Grand Tour. <laughs> to yeah, but Amazon makes you pay for it. <laughs> they do now. Yeah, I saw that. All the all the uh, Top Gears are are no longer Prime.
1: Yeah no, you can get a couple of specials here and there, but that's about it. So yeah,
0: I've not watched any of the newer Top Gear. I tried to watch the the first and second year after they left. Right. I couldn't do it.
1: No, no, it it it, it, it it's them trying to replicate what those three created, and it's it's not the same.
0: No, nope, no, nope, no, nope. and. Don't even get me started with how bad the American version was. Wow.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, uh, it did it, it, not right. Um, no, <laughs> it was awful. And the fact that it still exists. Does it? Does the American version still <laughs> I exist? I think it does. I believe it's on one of those uh, uh, lesser seen um, cable stations.
0: Wow. All right. Well, then I guess we should probably get into a movie review. What do you say?
1: Absolutely. I'm dying to talk about this.
0: All right. Well, we'll take a short break. When we get back, we're going to talk about a film that, at the time that this episode airs, just, I think, dropped today, actually. Uh, We're going to talk about 2021's Battle in Space, The Armada Attacks. In 1972, American TV networks canceled 12 TV shows for crimes they didn't commit. These shows were promptly forgotten by the public and faded into obscurity. Today, Chris Cooling researches these shows for a podcast. If there's a TV show that no one else remembers, and if you have earbuds, maybe you can listen to Forgotten TV. Welcome back. In 2420, after aliens and powerful space wizards have enslaved human villages, a group of resistance fighters organize a counterattack against their alien overlords and launch an armada of spacecraft in a battle for supremacy in space is not what this movie is about.
1: <laughs> Damn it. I was going to take your word for it.
0: <laughs> Just be, well, that's I took the word for it from the marketing materials that were provided to us and by you, know, the uh, synopsis that you find on IMDb and elsewhere on the internet. However, watching the film, what Battle in Space is, is an anthology film. Well, anthology's not even quite right. What it is, is a collection of short stories, of short films, yeah. uh, put together into a hour and a half package.
1: Oh, and let's be clear, it's a package of short stories that have nearly nothing to do with an Amarada attacking or battles
0: in space. Yes, or anything to do with each other. Right. There is actually no connecting thread whatsoever other than a, well, effectively the synopsis that I just read you is somewhat repeated in a voiceover at the beginning of the film. That's your connecting thread. So, yes, anthology is a, I use that word very loosely. Mm
1: -hmm. Anthology usually means a collection of stories that have a
0: thread that goes through them. Right. So let's let's just call it a collection. It's a collection of short films, which makes it on its surface a little difficult to really kind of review because I feel like, I feel a little angry that it's marketed one way. And it's, it's, you know, the the production company, not the production company, the distributor, Mm. I think, Uncorked Entertainment is effectively kind of lying to you (laughs) to get you to watch this film. The trailer is pretty awesome, actually. I thought the trailer was pretty exciting. It looked really good. They took a fine collection of some of their
1: special effects and sewed it together.
0: Yes, yeah, to make it a trail that made you think, hmm, okay, I want to watch that. I'm not going to say that this film isn't worth watching, but you need to know what it is you're getting yourself into. Because watching this film thinking it's about aliens, space wizards, and uh, resistance is only going to make you mad.
1: I'm going to hit on one little point from uh, from the little recitation at the beginning where, where it actually ends on the statement, these are some of those ships. It right. says that very much like, uh, like the end of starting a law and order, these are the cases.
0: <laughs> right, and these uh, are their stories. So right.
1: even if you take everything that was said, you think you're at least going to get a description of Even if it's broken into these stories, which you don't know until you start watching this thing, Mm -hmm. um, you at least think you're going to go over some of the hero ships that are involved in the battle.
0: You expect whatever stories, once you realize that it's going to be a collection of stories, you expect those stories to at least take place in the same universe. Right. (laughs) There's. There's nothing to these stories that r- truly indicate that it takes place in the same universe from another from one another
1: yeah because even with the uh, reading of the uh, of the at the beginning where it mentions uh, that we're essentially out in the galaxy since we've discovered hyperspace travel um, in the 25th century you you figure okay these could be a little different. But then even as we watch them, the technology level in all of them are so varied and r- ridiculously different that it's like these, like one of them in particular looks like it could be maybe just a 50, 60 years from now kind of thing. Yeah. As opposed to some of them where, yeah, they are traveling through hyperspace and all that. It, it's just, it's completely disjointed and like you're saying it's it, the marketing makes you think you're going to see one thing and you come in and see something completely different and it's off-putting.
0: And I should mention the marketing also touts that Doug Jones of Star Trek discovery. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, was it the pale man, uh, from, um, was it Pan's Labyrinth or. Yes. A, yes. Yeah.
1: And he was in Hellboy Cause he was, uh, Abe Sapien. <laughs>
0: And the I think guy. wasn't he also in uh, Shape of Water? Didn't he do the the, the gill creature in Shape of Water too?
1: Could be. I, I don't remember offhand, but uh, yeah. yeah, that
0: seems up his alley. So it, it's marketed that with with Doug Jones. Well, Doug Jones, yes, he is in this for about thirty seconds as a hologram space wizard. <laughs>
1: it's even unclear because he's just a uh, he he he's doing a public service announcement to the people on this world. uh, In the the
0: first story.
1: Yeah. Which looks like we could be in a warehouse district in Pittsburgh.
0: It's also a little frustrating too, that because of the way this is stitched together and, and marketed, I don't know who to give credit to for the individual stories because even in the film, the credits, it just lists names without assigning them to who did what. So I don't know if the order that their names appear are in any way in the order that the stories appear. Uh, we've got filmmakers Sanjay Sharma, uh, Toby Rawal, and I am probably could be butchering some names here, excuse me, uh, Scott Robson, Andrew Jacks. Lucas Kendall and Luis Tinoco are the individual directors and then lots of different actors, but yeah, there's just no, I don't know who did what. So yes.
1: And and folks, we've gone as far as actually like watching the credit sequence a couple of times at no point. The, the different, uh, what is it? It's uh, five different stories that take place in this. Yeah. Um, one of them doesn't even have a name. Uh, the other four are named after possibly the spaceships that they're talking about. Correct. Um, that's kind of how I took it. I, I had no bearing because at no point do they mention the names of any other ships in the vignette.
0: And in some vignettes, there are no ships.
1: Correct. <laughs> even if they have a name. Yes. If they have a name. um, So... But no, I have scanned the credits two or three times seeing if they would break it out in any way to say who was responsible for which vignette, who starred in which vignette, who directed, who wrote. They did not break it out that way. That Everybody is just given full credit for the whole thing. And from beginning to end, every time you enter a new vignette, you may as well be entering a new movie altogether. Uh, yeah, they they look completely different. The uh, effects are completely different. The uh, film styles, film everything, styles, acting, direct, everything. They they feel like different pieces. Long and the short of it, I don't know how all of this made a movie.
0: <laughs> I wonder if it's just a case of somehow the distributor or the production company. Uh, Hughes Pictures, I think, is the one that put was the actual production company. I just wonder if somehow they ended up through, I don't know how, different means, ended up with a bunch of short films, realized they're all sci-fi, didn't know what to do with them, and so they built this very loose uh, wraparound story and compiled them into a film to try then to sell to distributors. I mean, I really get the impression none of these were really meant to be in a package like this.
1: No. uh, I almost think of this more as, and where it'd be more successful, I think, at least in pulling it off, is I'm drawn to the old kind of style, like Amazing Stories. Sure. um, Where... Each episode is its own little story. Um, It could have any number of themes, but the point is they all fit in the collective of it's an amazing story. That's what this kind of needed to be, but not how they put it together.
0: Do you remember in the early days of the sci-fi channel where they had their, uh, they had a series or a show and it was all about short films? Yeah. And they would just air like two or three short films in an hour or something? Yeah, I some were that. animated, some were live action, um, some stop motion. A few, some really good ones. Yeah, it was just up and coming filmmakers, and this was their chance to actually get like to the world. That's what I feel like these this these shows or these stories needed. And what they're kind of made for. I, I feel this is a moment to kind
1: of, kind of toggle a little bit. While this is not a movie, uh, there, there's there's no. There's no story here. There's no one the 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 whole thing from the beginning uh monologue and all that. There none of that has anything to do with what happens after they've read that. Um That said, some of these are actually really kinda cool.
0: Yes, absolutely. Yeah, so it is not a movie, it is a collection of short films. Mm-hmm. And we will, uh, I guess, sort of review them as such. I think um, that's
1: the best way to handle this. Just anybody listening, uh, we're not discouraging watching it. We're discouraging uh, thinking that you're going into seeing a space battle movie about the 25th century and everything that they tell you at the first two minutes. You could skip past it and just go straight into the yes. stories.
0: Just, <laughs> yes,
1: it is a lie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The cake is a lie.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You see a cake and you slice into it only to discover it's meatloaf. Right. (laughs) All right. Well, the the first story is, again, the story without a name. Mm -hmm. And again, we don't know which filmmaker is responsible for it. Right. This one takes place in a, uh, this is one you were describing. It looks like it could be some, could be, you know, yeah, like you said, in Pittsburgh or Detroit, it, right. it definitely looks like they just went to some abandoned warehouse area, and 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 filmed.
1: Right. It's in a warehouse district. Everything shot back alley, back of uh, loading docks and such.
0: Right. And we find a uh, an ex cop named Jack, who's turned, I guess, um, sort of private eye. He's a or, private
1: dick. That that was the right. joke at the onset. Oh,
0: it was. It's correct. And he takes a case from a guy who's looking for his kid. His kid has been taken. He's missing. Apparently, there's a big problem with kids going missing and being taken by what they call the uh, the boogies. The boogies. Uh, we don't know what those are right away. No. Um, and we don't know why this guy decides to take this hard, you know, this hard luck case, but he does. And he tracks the kid down to this uh, general store, I guess is what it's supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And from there, we actually find out that the kid was taken by another another guy who was looking to actually sell him Mm -hmm. to the boogies.
1: Because apparently that's a thing that happens now.
0: Yes. And we actually get to meet the boogies. And that's the highlight of this story right here is the creature effect I thought was pretty damn amazing.
1: Again, for a low-budget in- indie film, that their alien was pretty impressive. You might not fully understood what it was or what it was doing.
0: <laughs> and I, I, when I, I got the, prish, the impression, too, that for the most part, that creature was all physical. It mm-hmm. did not look like CGI. Just tugs at my
1: heartstrings. I appreciate a good physical effect.
0: Yeah, no, it looked it looked practical to me, and that, that's even more impressive because it actually had like an articulated, like prehensile nose grabber thing, <laughs> and it was moving around and grabbing people, and it looked like it was legitimately there. Like, wow, all right, I'm impressed.
1: Uh, uh, yeah, along with the uh, the lifting the man's body off the ground and right, right, basically face hugging him with his nose.
0: Yeah. I, I didn't mind this story because I thought they did a really nice job of setting the universe that this thing was taking place in without doing a lot of exposition or anything. Uh, the events and the things the people said was all that you needed to understand what the heck was going on. Mm-hmm. And even in the end, you find out why this guy bothered to take this case at all because it was a little bit of a, um, a little bit of a vengeance, uh, a revenge ploy for him. Mm. I think that was great because, and all he has to do is say a single line. So saying this is for my sister or something like that. And I'm like, Oh, 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 okay. So now we've got history, you know? <laughs> right. But the only
1: pull back for me on, on this one uh, is one, this is the one that didn't get a name and it's right after that, that opening sequence you're thinking this is the lead-in to a bigger story. Yeah. So this one, for me, gets a... Uh, it gets hindered by the fact that it fades out on our hero having accomplished his vengeance, and that's it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's hard not to uh, have the your, your thoughts on this one kind of colored because you think that this is the one laying the groundwork for the rest of the film. Right. And it doesn't. It's very unsatisfying. <laughs> it's unsettling. I, I mean, I am
1: like, uh, as you go into the next story, which, which the next one is the, the one that I find probably the weakest in the bunch. But when you go into that, you're like, "Where did we go? What happened? What was that?
0: <laughs> right? That's what's really annoying is it's a short film. It creates this this strange universe. It it gives you these characters. It gives you this down and out cop, this weird uh, general store, and the type of people that frequent it. And then the boogies and the fact that they're they're taking kids. You don't know why. It's never explained. He's like, okay, I want to know more. I want I want more of this universe. Yes. And you don't get it. <laughs> This
1: feels, this opening one has a big Blade Runner feel about it.
0: Yeah, a little bit.
1: Uh, so, I, I like, I was, I was getting invested just as it was taken away from me. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. So the next segment is called The Hermes. And yes, I would agree that this is definitely the weakest of the five stories that we see. Mm-hmm. This was three, three guys doing cosplay in a field. And a warehouse.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And and, and this is the one where, like, the first one, uh, and and I can, in hindsight, I can divorce my disappointment in it that it isn't the lead-in to a larger tale now, and now that I know it's it's its own short story, I'm satisfied with it. I like everything it did. This next one, The Hermes... It did none of the things that the first one did it inter- it throws you in with these characters you have no idea what's going on they-, they are not conveying enough nuggets as things go down to give you any insight as to what they're trying to accomplish why they are the way they are where they are who are these people following them <laughs> like yeah it it, it's just complete nonsense, and it steals from so many other things. It's not even funny.
0: Yeah, this is like, okay, I should actually say this is uh, three guys who like Star Wars <laughs> cosplaying in a field in a garage. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Kind of, yeah. This is Star Wars kind of blended in with, um, maybe blended in, we talked about Killjoys last time. Right. little little bit of that little flair into here.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: I'm thinking of also the old show, the the failed series, Dark Matter, which is, yeah. you know, the the mercenary crew. I mean, you kind of get that feeling.
1: Yeah, no, this one was a mess. And then you got to tell me, well, first off, uh, I'm just going to throw this out there. At one point, uh, again, it's indie, it's low budget. I have no problems with that, those things. But when you st- deal other people's stuff outright like the force for one yeah uh, these guys were trying to use the force in whatever way they could um, but the the one that really drove me insane is when they're in the warehouse um, they're looking for this crystal thing and they're getting caught and the klaxon goes off and it's the red alert sound from the
0: Enterprise yes
1: <laughs> from the original series so Straight off I, I I can picture back when I owned the cassette tape with all the sound effects from the original series of like all you did is steal that and use it.
0: Yep. Yeah, this sounded like it was literally recorded right off of someone's television. <laughs> <laughs> the red alert thing. Yeah. <laughs> there was only one moment in this story that I actually thought, okay. I'll give you that. That was kind of fun. The story opens up with the guy hanging upside down yeah. a la Empire Strikes Back mm-hmm. trying to reach his gun which is in the grass. Yep. Again, Empire Strikes Back. He reaches out his hand and the gun kind of jiggles. You know, so okay, we've got, we've got a force thing or something. A uh, A man, another figure in a black motorcycle helmet shows up and he's getting ready to kill him and he said, ah, oh, you, you should have killed me first, whatever. And he throws out his hand real quick, like he's going to get the gun, and nothing happens. Because, you know, his force, whatever it is, his his metachlorians aren't strong enough. I thought, okay, that's kind of funny. Okay, yeah. No, <laughs> that, that was a good joke.
1: That was cute, and then his buddy shoots the guy from behind. Uh, the, the What's killing me, though, with some of that, too, is... Uh, they're clearly carrying around 45s, the the, the yeah. pistol, um, but they're shooting little laser bolts, <laughs> and at some point, one of them has to change the clip
0: <laughs> on their ray gun. Oh, and it's so frustrating. I hate it when they do this on, even if it's supposed to be like a legitimate 45 or whatever, they'll fire the gun, and then the next thing you see, they... But right. You don't have to do that every time. Right. <laughs> Stop doing
1: that. You just shot out a round. <laughs> oh, and for those of you listening, I'm sorry. I said clip. It's magazine. And, and what are you ejecting on your ray gun?
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but no, uh, another one that, and I, I, I'm just gonna pummel this one because I don't care because it was just so bad, uh, but. Someone came up with a really neat CGI scene of the ships. Uh, The ship flying low to the ground, then climbing into the air, then going into faster than light, and then being followed by three things. The funny thing, and I don't know if you caught this, they play that scene, that sequence at the beginning... And you're supposed to think, okay, this is what's leading up to what we're now seeing. And then they do it when they leave. <laughs> like, yep. I have no idea what just happened.
0: <laughs> yep. It was two different two different planets. They say so they left the one planet that sure. they were at. And then they left that planet after they got the crystal. Yeah, I don't know.
1: It was, this one felt uh, very much like somebody's senior project in... Um, <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, this it, was film school. This it, was a film it, school project.
1: It, it totally was. The guys looked like they could have just come out of the bar to 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 do this because <laughs> they were children. Um, yeah, it was rough, <laughs> and and this uh, this is probably it. Probably also makes me mad because this is the one that took me out of the other one. Yeah, and now <laughs> has told me I'm not watching what I'm think I'm watching. <laughs> So being the second story in this and sucking, <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: it was like a two-fist. <laughs> I was just put down immediately. I actually, I, I, I have to admit at this point, I stopped the show. I stopped the movie and I had to come back to it later because I was mad. Uh. <laughs> I was actually mad. I'm like, I don't know what the hell I'm watching. <laughs>
0: Well, if you didn't know that this was g- going to be this way, uh, by the time you get to the third segment, it was pretty obvious. Yes. Next up is the Agamemnon. How does this one start? It has some astronauts. This is the one I think you were talking where it, it looks like it could just be this 25, This It feels like 50. it could be sometime within the next uh, 50 to 100 years.
1: Yeah, this is, uh, it, this is just like advanced NASA stuff. It, it mm-hmm. looks like a Mars mission kind of thing.
0: Yeah, that's exactly what it feels like. Uh, some astronauts that are, I, I think, checking some space station, some relay stations or something like that, mm-hmm. and one has to go to a uh, planet below. Looks ridiculously like Mars. While he is there, something happens with his suit, and he he collapses. He ends up uh, ripping his helmet off, which always a good idea on a alien world. Yeah. But then he actually discovers that he can breathe he breathe fine and he starts walking around this desert planet and then he gets some um, flashbacks and th- this one was probably the, a little confusing uh, certainly at first because I, I think in the end what happens is all this is a fantasy it's like a uh, medically induced um
1: yeah, they have him sedated, and it's because he's apparently done something horrible aboard their their ship or whatever, looking like he's almost become a zombie. He's physically attacking and eating another crewmate.
0: Right. Yeah, and so this is like some sort of uh, medically induced um, fantasy to keep him sedated. And he wakes up from that, and... And then we see some drama out, you know, he's locked in like this isolation room and we see some drama from outside. Oh, no, they have him in the airlock, don't they?
1: That's where we end. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, this one's a little disjointed. Uh, It it felt like it needed more time to tell its story. Uh, But yeah, this is the one that also it it kind of it clearly we are now fully removed from any sort of semblance of um, a thread, because yeah. all the previous two had very futuristic ships that all had hyperspace and all that, and these are ships with with the solar panels out on the side. They're very everybody on board them is wearing their full spacesuit and all that. This is not the future, future.
0: Yeah, and this is definitely the um, the more horror rather than sci-fi. Right. Uh, I think as well. And yeah, this is another one that maybe if you could have stretched this with enough story to make a film, there might have been something there. This was actually one where a short film, I think, detracted from it. yeah, because you didn't get enough context to what's happening like uh,
1: the, having the the induced fantasy of what's happening on a on a, a planet, playing out in the head of a guy that's essentially he's gone mad for one reason or another. He's attacking his own shipmates and his shipmates have decided one clearly there's a love interest because he keeps having this very romantic uh, setting for the girl that's on board. And she clearly has some sort of feelings for this character because she's fighting for his life and everyone else is ready to just eject him. Um, mm-hmm. because he's dangerous, but we don't get any idea of where all of that's coming from. <laughs>
0: nope.
1: There's not enough history. There's not enough story there. So it, it's parts.
0: Yeah. With, yeah. That's definitely one where you want to know where it's coming from and you want to know where it's going.
1: Right. I mean, it's not that I'm not
0: interested in what, what I saw. I just need more. <laughs> so quickly we can jump right up to the, I think it's called the Percy's. Yes. This one, I actually kind of liked. Yeah. I thought this one was actually done pretty darn well. This is a, a guy wakes up on a ship. The ship's being attacked. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a woman piloting it, trying to evade these, uh, the, you know, through a asteroid field or something like that, trying to evade these supposedly enemy craft. Mm-hmm. He's got a lot of cybernetic implants or something. He's, yeah, this is see. almost like uh, the, the Matrix or whatever. Yeah. yeah, he can plug in, but... Something's gone wrong. His uh, The woman who doesn't have any cybernetics says that he was hacked and that all his memory's been wiped. And she tries to convince him that the memory that he does have, that he's been seen. He, he sees this sort of flashback to when he was a child uh, mm-hmm. with his dad in the desert. Seemingly a happy memory or whatever. Yes. And she's trying to convince him that that's an implanted memory. They do that so you... So you guys all have like this uh, sense of camaraderie or something like that, this common past or something. And then it kind of gets a little twisty because suddenly it's, it's maybe he, they get a radio signal from one of the other ships and they're saying that, no, 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 no. You were, there were, there was a hack, but it's biological. Mm-hmm. We're immune. So is the woman actually the one, the enemy or is he, uh, this one was a good twisty one and I I actually really like that one.
1: Yeah, model. no, it, it twisted several times on you during that and it's it still left you wondering even though you're pretty sure you have it figured out uh, at the end that that it did not go the way that <laughs> that he thought. He he got the indications there's still room for did it?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what I like is like maybe maybe what happened maybe what she was saying that you know and cuz it turns out that these these enemy ships are really friendlies but maybe they're not I mean the whole thing leaves you kind of going what the hell and unlike the other one where we where we we said the same thing but we didn't feel satisfied with any ans with whatever answers they may have given or even the questions they were asking this one for some reason was just Maybe it was the psychological aspect of it.
1: This is the one of the ones, and there are two, and we're going to get to the other one here shortly. But, uh, but I, I'm totally with you on this. I I am one satisfied with it as a short story. I mm-hmm. I lo- lo- loved how it started. Love the dynamic. Very close to the vest the whole time, and then uh, and, and the ending, which you get you get the twist, and then. It's settled, but not, but I would right. love, it was a short story that left me going, I want to know more anyway. <laughs> <laughs> like I want to live in this space for a little longer. I want to, I want to see where this goes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. This is definitely something where you feel like, um, we were talking just before we we started recording about, um, or no, I guess it was, we were talking about, um, while we're recording, we just talked about the expanse. Yes. This really feels like if you had characters that with cybernetic implants or something in the expanse, this is the kind of story you'd end up with in the expanse. No, absolutely. It had that feel. The setting had that feel. The ship had that feel. Mm-hmm.
1: I really enjoyed this one. And again, uh, they did some wonderful. Um, visual effects for the exterior. Although uh, the one thing I did giggle a little about is uh, um, they go out of their way to open a, an exterior porthole so they can look out a window so they can see what's going on, and then that's when you get the the full pullback of what's going on around them, the the, the battle that's taking place. They're they're actually traveling through the ring of a planet and they're hiding in the in the ice and uh, debris that are circling the planet in the ring. You get the pullback. I love that. And then when they get back into the ship, the guy's like, Oh, I saw some more like us. So like, no, you didn't. (laughs) (laughs) Cause you couldn't possibly see all that stuff. It was a fun journey for the audience, but you didn't see shit. (laughs) That was the only part where I laughed a little bit because I'm like, okay, yeah, you, no, you didn't. But at any rate, <laughs> the story itself was amazing. They did a great yeah. job.
0: Yeah, that one was really good. I really liked that one. Mm. And the final segment is the Caronte.
1: Ah, that's what I was gonna go with.
0: <laughs> yeah, C A R O N T E. I'll say Caronte. Now this one. Is probably what I think is the best out of the five.
1: It is the, yeah, no, I'm glad that you feel the same way. I love this one.
0: This one was brilliant. This is one, again, short story is fine. I don't want a longer version. What they had had packed in here was absolutely perfect. This is a woman we see her trying to uh, escape uh, from a larger ship that's been firing at her. She's in this uh, rather cool looking um, fighter plane of some kind.
1: Yes, no, trying to evade of, it, kind of a, a, kind of a
0: steampunk X-wing fighter kind of thing. Fine description. <laughs> and while she's doing this, we keeps getting flashbacks to a young girl in a hospital who looks like she's recovering from some sort of accident. Mm-hmm. And we see her uh, actually involved in this accident with her and her family we see her with her like her little brother her brother's being a little bit of a pest and she's ignoring him mm-hmm. and they go on this road trip and then something happens and it looks like the entire family is killed except for her and she's like on the brink
1: yes yeah she's got a brain hemorrhage
0: and it's literally like you need to lay still or you're gonna die you, you can't overexert yourself Yep. and she keeps having flashbacks of her little brother, and her little brother was trying to like finish this level on this game, and the game he's playing is the the space adventure that we just left. That yeah, that we opened up in the thing. Like, oh, that's nice. So she's having like these sort of pangs of regret because the little brother wanted to. Can you? He asked her, "Can you help me finish this level?" And she blew him off and said, yeah. "No, you know, leave me alone." Me mentioning like amazing stories. I'm also thinking Twilight
1: Zone. This would fit so tidy into one of those, in particular, especially the way that they played out. Because uh, uh, the part that you didn't touch on uh, uh, with the, the the brother and sister thing going on is the little boy keeps putting his fingers to his head and and trying to will certain things into happening. And he gets right. enough right <laughs> in in what he's doing. It's completely <laughs> ridiculous because he's like willing for, uh, and if this is where you go, it's totally British, because he's willing for chips for dinner. Um, and they get home and mom says, well, we're having grilled chicken and French fries. <laughs> and he's like, yes, see, I did right. it. <laughs> <laughs> and like, it's totally bullshit that he did anything, but it, it's cute as hell. Right. But there's enough that rung true that that his sister, who is trying to ignore him, still heard that happen.
0: And then he does one other one, too. Um, right, which I don't recall what it was, but his final one was, uh, if I beat this level, we'll be together forever. Right, I think and, was, and the yeah.
1: sister uh, feeling... Feeling the terror of losing her family in this accident, especially after being kind of shitty to her little brother, um, she's recalling that. Now they're not—they're not. That's what's cool about this one. They're not beating you over the head with that. He only said it the one time in there, but she is kind of remembering it, and that—that that is what she is putting her life at risk to do—is to go find the game. And play it so before the sun sets, so that her if her brother has any abilities that she is now trying with her whole soul to latch onto might be real. She wants to make that happen so desperately, and it's just so sweet. And it's actually it's a little it, 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 it tugs at the heartstrings. And
0: yeah, it's a it's a bittersweet and very touching. Uh, It is,
1: and it ends just right because as she's playing the game and she is finishing the level, she is winning, she's achieved the goal, but she is just barely making it to that line as she passes out. And then you see what's happening. You're, You're to assume it's almost like an adult version of her flying the ship in the game. Um, that's living it out real and mm-hmm. then when it goes through the the last gate into the little hyperspace tunnel, there's a series of images that flash up and it kinda ends from there. So you're not you get left with that whole she did it, but how did she what what got done? Is she now with her family because right. she's now passed on and she's now with them in the Afterlife? It's kind of that, kind of the impression I got. At, but the point is, it's still a happy ending, even if she passed. So either way, it came true. He he got his witch.
0: <laughs> the visual effects I think are probably the best in, yes. in this final one too. It certainly has the one that has the most visual effects, you know, the CGI spaceships, and there's some really impressive ones where they're like busting through cloud oh, yeah. layers and things like that done really well so yeah this one was was really impressive
1: and and it's kind of funny before you because the beginning of the story is so interlaced between um the little the girl and the boy and what is happening in space because they do they cut intercut them so you're almost thinking oh this is her when she was just younger and she's remembering that you, you could be left with a sense that this pilot is remembering uh, better days when she was a child versus what she's doing now. It's not clear that she's not in the same world necessarily. Um, but as it, it's playing out and the reveal is coming in, it's uh, it's really cool. But when you finally learn that this is all a video game. I get taken back to the start of it and realizing how much the sequences in the in there play out like a video game. Because when the ship takes off and starts the level, everything is pretty easy. And as she approaches that first gate to jump through, it gets increasingly hard. All of a sudden, here's the big battleship bearing down on her. So it's the boss level as... <laughs> She's got to, and I'm like, I'm like, that's genius. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm having like a Star Fox moment here. <laughs> so I'm like, that's that was really cool. That was a fun ride, and and happily because it's the last one. By this time, like I said, I <laughs> I cut this damn thing off it after the Hermes one because I'm like, nope, i <laughs> I gotta take a break.
0: <laughs> 20 minute mark i'm out
1: <laughs> so when i got like okay i now know what i've gotten myself into and i get back in and i watch and this is the one that i end with i'm like all right that was pretty cool i like that
0: <laughs> yeah this was definitely i i'm really glad that <laughs> it ended on a high <laughs> note
1: needed it so badly <laughs> But yeah, and that's when I started digging into credits because I'm like, oh, I wanted to know who was responsible even for that one.
0: Same here because that's kind of like, okay, this is a filmmaker I want to follow. I want to see other things that this person's done or will do. I don't know. And it's like, I,
1: (laughs) it's a mystery.
0: I, yeah, I'm going to have to like research every one of them. (laughs) Just start, start trying to track them down and start sending emails. (laughs) Did you do the one about the spaceship and the girl that's in the hospital?
1: (laughs) And seriously, folks, uh, this is why it's still worth a watch. These are, these are independent filmmakers doing great little short stories, some greater than others. Um, but I mean, they are putting their heart and soul into this, and they have put together some decent effects and all that. But it is so worth it for these last two.
0: Yeah, and that's another thing, too, I'd love to know, is whether these the visual effects, some of them seem like they're fairly similar, so I wonder if they were put together after, you know, these short stories were uh, assembled into this package, or, you know... Or were they actually I done still think beforehand different
1: I, that they feel like they came out of different groups.
0: Okay. They at least had different art designers
1: and such, but I, I mean, I, I have nothing to prove otherwise.
0: Yeah. I, I hope so though. Yes. I, I hope that is the case. <laughs> and yes, I hope I find out who did this. No, that
1: one was <laughs> uh, that one was genius. That, But yeah, that one reminded me the most of like uh, a more modern day, uh, twilight zone episode or, uh, I mean that fits right in there with, with the, the the dude that busted his glasses <laughs> and all, <laughs> um, trying to read in the library <laughs> with nobody else on Earth. I mean it it, it has that feel. It's got yes. that great little twist that 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 moment of humanity that uh, that makes it all worthwhile.
0: Yeah. So I think that is a uh, sort of, um, despite <laughs> us kind of slagging on the thing in the beginning. I yeah I agree with Tom. Is that It is worth watching, but go in knowing Mm -hmm. what it is that you're going to be watching. Um, That's the thing that I hate the most about this is that I feel like there's a lot of really good uh, talent here that isn't going to be viewed because people are going to get through maybe the first (laughs) two stories and do what you did and tap out.
1: Yeah, and, and I, I am the one to tell you like you, you got to also do like me tap back in, get get in there, watch it. It's it's worth it to get into the second half of this. Uh, and the first one was was perfectly great. You just have to know what what this is and yeah, you we can't say that enough. We're we're both furious. <laughs> this is this has been couched as something and it is not. It, it, we were expecting a space opera and we got um, a package of short stories, which is fine. As long as that's what you tell me I'm going to get. <coughs> Either way, guys, come on, get get it together. Uh, it's not that you had bad material. just tell us what you've given us. Or start a series. Let's go back to the uh, roots of uh, the sci-fi channel when they used to do
0: this, where bring them back yeah. highlight highlight young filmmakers trying to you know make these little science fiction and 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 interesting tales I, Absolutely I mean it's what I want I'm tired of having to go to any number of dozens of websites and film festivals or whatever to see this stuff compile it yeah, for I me mean, like this This is seriously,
1: awesome Seriously some of the folks that have done some of this work have potential to go on and do some really good stuff assuming they haven't even done some of it that already that we just need to go find but give give them the uh, forum to actually get this out don't bury the lead in this um to to make like you and i went through this because we're here for you guys to to do this stuff when we can um so we're telling you there's some quality here despite what they've done but to the general audience they're going to pick this up and they're going to go what the hell was that. <laughs> they they will do they will do the version I did and just turn the damn thing
0: off when when the, it, it goes completely off the rails. Well, anyway, that's Battle in Space: The Armada Attacks is available now on VOD. Yeah, go ahead and check it out, but check out a collection of five short stories knowing is half the battle, all that fun stuff. That is going to do it for this episode. Uh, in two weeks, we'll be back with, A, Tom's podcast anniversary. Oh. It'll be one year. Has it been one year since you have started podcasting Absolutely. with me,
1: Tom? My one, my one and only, and uh, and I was happy to come on board to to keep you going and to enjoy the fun. Do you want to
0: tell the audience what we're going to be watching Absolutely. next time? On your podcast anniversary,
1: yeah, podcast anniversary. If there was ever a word, that's the word. Um, we are going to be watching uh, from 2010 a movie called Rubber. Definitely not anything <laughs> like anyone has ever
0: seen before. It's awesome. I'm excited to watch it. It's one I've I know all of, I know a mm-hmm. lot about it anyway. I know the yes. premise. I know the main character. <laughs> <laughs> and it is one that, because of how crazy you know the whole thing sounds, it's definitely one I've been meaning to watch. So this is like a great excuse to finally you know kick me in the yeah, ass to watch I'm
1: it. I'm looking a wh- very forward to you sit- sitting down and watching this because <laughs> even <laughs> as much as you know about this film, until you behold it, <laughs> it's not the same.
0: Awesome, awesome. And- you're, so you're, you're telling me it's better than the Hermes. <laughs> yes, yes, it's
1: very much. And <laughs> okay. at least because you're educated and it doesn't sell itself as anything other than what it is, <laughs> you are going in
0: <laughs> at least knowing you are about to watch something completely ridiculous. <laughs> Excellent. All right, that is going to be a fun time. So we will be back in two weeks. Uh, if you watched Battle in Space... We'd love to hear your thoughts on any of the uh, segments. Uh, please fire us an email or join us on the Facebook group. And uh, if you want to make any comments about rubber, do the <laughs> same thing.
1: I really want to hear people from, <laughs> from people for rubber.
0: <laughs> so that's going to do it, folks. Thanks very much for listening. We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Goodbye. See you.